This is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. To a Monday edition of All Marine Radio. Right here on the All Warrior Radio Network. Although the All Warrior Radio Network has never actually come to pass. It was a vision of mine that you would see this program like a version of it for the Army and the Navy and the Air Force and the Guardians in the Space Force. Yep. Hey. Even the Guardians need to be enlightened. So anyway, that's what the All Warrior Radio Network, in theory, is about. Um, let me tell you what we're going to do today. The Mensa Brothers going to join me. And really unprecedented things happening in the world of the Marine Corps. So we're going to talk about that. Um, so I don't even think I'm going to check the news today. I have a couple comments to make, uh, three of them. I'll make those. I'll do the weather and then you'll hear the Mensa brothers because I don't really want to talk about anything else other than this debate that has begun and will get larger as, uh, more and more people take it up and so you're going to hear our thoughts about uh, you're going to hear our thoughts about that And uh, but uh, I want to make a quick comment about the President of the United States um, Wall Street Journal um, has an interesting editorial piece today about the President we have 
and um, um, you watch. I mean, his remark. Um, I've saw. I've seen some interesting comments about his remark about regime change, and speaking as the president of the United States. And then I've seen some commentary that says, first of all. I mean, how that guy has not gotten a memo that the more you outlib and the more you ad lib, the more you fuck yourself up. Do not do that. How many times does somebody have to say that to that guy in his lifetime? And not just as a president of the United States. I mean, because, you know, he's been doing this forever, right? In fact, Will gives me shit about saying that Joe Biden will never be the president of the United States. And I stand. I stand proudly behind that statement, right? The only thing that gets that guy elected is COVID. So we stopped doing public events. So this kind of shit couldn't happen. And then they refused to expose him, even in the basement of his home in Delaware, to any kind of free play because of these things. How how often, now in the space of the week, he talked about, you know, the United States will respond if any kind of special weapon is used. That's not the response. At that point, when you're asked that, you would say, well, relative to NATO in the United States, all options are on the table. Boom, non-statement. But he says the United States will respond. Like, what the fuck, man? Would you stop that? And that, and that body hasn't even been drug out of the room when he talks about regime change. Now, what, what the White House... Spinners could have said was this. What he meant was the Russian people will decide that. But they didn't. You see Blinken. What he meant to say was. So it's just like. It's painful, man. Painful. And stunning that 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 this guy. Has has not learned. In his entire career. Right now, look, you're the president of the United States. Just don't answer those questions. Stop. You don't you don't do that. Some people can do that. You do not. Um, email. Mac, what do you think of Will Smith? Um, there's a moral to that little shot of video. If you haven't seen it, you should check it out. Don't talk shit about somebody's wife who's standing who's sitting in front of you and can kick your ass. That's the moral of that story, right? Oh, I'm a comedian. I can say whatever the fuck I want to with you sitting there, you know, next to your wife. And I could say whatever shit I want. Yeah. Maybe think somebody should think about that twice next time. I don't know. I don't know. I don't mean to give too much social uh, advice, but there's a little piece of it for you. Yeah. Got what he, hey, got what he deserved. Um, the war in the Ukraine, the war in Ukraine, um, we continue to see stories of high casualties among Russian generals, a stalled offensive, sustainment issues, Russian military operating in the clear. You're now seeing some stories about they're only interested now. They're reframing this as a fight over the Donbass. 
And but I saw Jack Keane this morning saying, yeah, but that's not what the Russians are doing. They're reconstituting forces in Russia to send back in. They're resupplying, and there's no indication of any kind of force movement that would lead you to believe that any of that rhetoric is actually what they mean. So anyway, um, again, a month into this, and and if you look at the, you know, the the line has not moved substantially from the first week of the offensive. Again, which is stunning stuff. So, again, looking for indicators on either side that this is going to move again. Or is this the stalemate? And they'll negotiate from this position here. So, again, um, continuing to read more stories um, about the fighting and some very, very interesting stuff. Very, very interesting stuff. So, um, and then... And then the Marine Corps debate. So let me um, let me start the show and I'll make I'll I'll make some comments about that debate right as I introduce uh, the Mensa brothers this morning. So United States Marine Corps band makes this morning official. Thanks for listening on this Monday, the last Monday in March, as we head into April. Good morning to you. This is dedicated to everybody who's going to participate and is participating in this event uh, with the hope that everybody understands something's wrong here. You can't get 90% of general officers to to agree on shit. But they're pretty much united that something's wrong here. Now, that has to be reconciled. For the good of the service. So this dedication is with the hope that the personalities can stay out of this. The substance can be discussed. And maybe, right, good things will come. Either a lot of people are going to get smart. Or maybe the Marine Corps is going to be compelled to modify 
a course of action that is imprudent. I don't know where the truth is, okay? But I hope in this discussion, everybody learns where the truth is. And I hope for the sake of the service, for the sake of the nation and the nation's defense, it gets there. And the personality shit that is the first thing that starts when these things happen, right, has no place in this discussion. So this is dedicated to that end. you don't say what you think and you don't say honestly and bluntly what keeps you awake at night nothing i keep other people awake at night for this campus had prepared him well i'm very confident that thank you very much if this was vodka it'd be a lot better speech But I'm not supposed to glamorize alcohol anymore. So, young folks, you ignore what I just said. We just have to execute. And we are executing every day. And so our major and I are very proud of what you do. Doesn't mean we can't get better. We don't, we don't want to make a mistake to learn. We don't want to lose to learn. We cannot lose if we have to go fight. We got to do what these Marines did here 75 years ago. Persevere against difficult challenging conditions and odds to win. You gotta win. Time to check the weather. Currently it oh shit. <laughs> ah, how funny. Both my daughters are back in the DC area visiting over the weekend number two son that's right on their way to see their new nephew and the son of number one son wife and brother of number one grandson yeah currently partly sunny and 37 <laughs> in Quantico where my daughters are headed for yeah suck it up girls Sunny and 48 down the coast at Cherry Point. 
Quantico's got three weather advisories. We will investigate those now. Yeah, who? Wow. Let's see. Weather advisories. A gale warning. Oh, shit. Gale warning in effect until tomorrow. A gale watch till Thursday. And a marine weather statement today. So they've got that going for them. Wow. Nice timing. Cherry Point's got three weather advisories. They've got a special weather statement. Increased fire danger late this morning through early evening with west winds gusting up to 30. A freeze warning on Tuesday and a small craft advisory. What the hell, man? That's some crazy weather. Yeah, so that's Cherry Point. 29 Palms. It is partly sunny in 64. Camp Pendleton, cloudy in 58. Camp Pendleton's got three weather advisories. What the hell is going on? Just for those of you who are new, three weather advisories means we have to check it, check it out. That's the That breaks squelch. Uh, wind advisory at, at Pendleton. Uh, for Monday into Monday afternoon. What else? A high surf advisory and a small craft advisory. So normal coastal shit. Um, question is, will, 20, will uh, Hawaii have... No, Hawaii breaks a string. Um, Camp Smith in Hawaii, dark cloudy in 65. Okinawa, dark cloudy and 64 in Darwin. That's on the northern coast of Australia. It is dark cloudy in 80, and in Kiev, that would be the capital of Ukraine, it is sunny in 55 late in the day. So um, there you have it. That is a look at weather. Um, before I hit the play button on the Mensa Brothers, um, yeah, this is a debate that we've not seen in our lifetime, and, um, and it's an important one. And so I hope that... Um, this forum can be used for people on both sides of the issue to enlighten everybody else on what ought to be the direction of the United States Marine Corps. And so um, I, as such, I will open it up to um, serious people who, uh, who would like to articulate to a broader audience their point of view. And the spoken word is important because, you know, you can only say, say so much in 2,000 words or 750 words, whatever, you know, the form that you're writing for allows you. This, for those of you who listen, know that there's not so much structure associated with All Marine Radio. Um, it runs at my whim as Jeff Kenny laments on a constant basis. So, um, without further ado, uh, the Mensa brothers uh, and I talk about uh, essentially three questions that I posed to them um, last night. And um, the first question is, has this been debated enough, as somebody said, as somebody alleged in a, a in an opinion piece? 
And um, so, uh, and then the second question is, what is the Marine Corps about? At, our, at, at its core, you know, define the Marine Corps. And we talk about that. And then the third question is, as this discussion takes place in public in a very, very unprecedented way, because as Marines, we don't show our ass in public. It's not the way any of us were raised. But this is going to play out in public. And that in and of itself is, is an interesting discussion, how that, how that has come to be. Um, and so my question to the three of them was, what do you hope comes out of this at the end of this, right? So uh, with those three questions in mind, um, these are my friends uh, Jeff Kenny, Will Costantini, and Tim Lynch, otherwise known as the Mensa Brothers, um, uh, discussing that, discussing that. A very good Monday morning to you. As I mentioned, joining me are uh, from Southern California, Jeff Kenny, Jeffrey, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm uh, I'm all right. I was just in San Clemente yesterday, getting my haircut and had lunch at La Siesta. Oh, that's a great place. I found La Three Siesta. Margaritas. Yeah, I found La Siesta because I was driving down El Camino Real, which is the coast highway, and I saw a lot of large people standing outside the restaurant waiting to eat, and the <laughs> yeah. thought occurred to me. When big people stand in line to eat, there must be good food there. And then I think I forgot about it. I saw the exact same thing maybe a month later, and I said, "I got to go eat there." And as Jeff, yeah, three hundred three hundred yards from my house too. As Jeffrey said, quality chow at La Siesta in San Clemente, California. From McAllen, Texas, Tim Lynch, our resident bird watcher, bird watcher. Tim, how are you? I'm sad, Mac. I've got to report to you that it appears the kettles have vacated the tropical Texas and are heading north. I have not seen a hawk all weekend, and I'm, I kind of miss them because I just got my battery packs in to fix my D90 uh, camera. Uh, bad luck. So did you do any research? Do you think they're gone, or are they just like maybe someplace else for the weekend? No, I think they're gone. They, this is about the time of year they start heading up after they've— uh, after they've, they've thinned out the, uh, the the bird population a little bit, they start taking a rack up to the north. Right. Where, and where do they spend the summer, the spring summer? I imagine they come up, uh, they spread all over the north. I mean, when they're down here, there there's thousands and thousands of them. I don't think that they can, they've got to kind of spread out, get their hunting territories established. Because, you know, your average, your, your average bit of land isn't going to sustain thousands of hawks circling overhead. Uh, for very long. So I imagine they disperse out to their natural habitat, which I believe is like from here to Canada. Well, I respect your bud, you know, background, but yeah. do you think you could like get us a footnote on that? And yeah, yeah. Because I'm curious I where they sure. go. Do they, do they, do they fan out across all of North America and uh, I mean, the United States and then Canada and then reconstitute themselves someplace South? Um, yeah. so now that, now that I know what a kettle is, and it's not related to a Saturday morning movie. Um, I uh, now I'm curious. So if you don't mind, I, I am now I am now also curious, and I will have to get back to you on that. All right, I appreciate that. Joining us from, um, let's see, the world of Kansas basketball. I know it's brutal. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> I had to I had to live through the freaking Chiefs last year, and now KU KU KU. And I got to tell you, you know Lawrence Kansas is right up there with uh, Berkeley and Ithaca, New York. That bad? You know what I mean? That bad? Ugh, yeah. Brutal. Absolutely brutal. Um, but everyone in Kansas wears their freaking KU, Rock Chalk, Jayhawk. They want to vomit. And so not a good... I'm forced to root for Villanova, if you can believe it. I'm a Syracuse fan. That's hard to do. And if I guess, Villanova can't I guess, do it, then I'm stuck I guess, rooting either for Duke or North Carolina. Can you believe I guess, that? I guess, I guess Quantrill didn't do a good enough job on Lawrence, though, huh? No. no. So, you know, and here's history for you. In Kansas, they had two big institutions coming in, the prison and the university. And Leavenworth chose first and took the prison. So they got the federal penitentiary and the, and the U.S. Army disciplinary barracks up there. And Lawrence got the university and... Ugh, unbelievable. So, you know, here, here's what I mean. You get down to Lawrence today, 80% of the people walking down the street will still be wearing masks. That's all you know. need to know about Lawrence, Kansas. Cheese dick, cheese dick land. Yeah. So, anyways. <laughs> the, um, all right. Uh, since we last met, uh, former Secretary of the Navy, former 1 5 alum, greatest battalion in the Marine Corps. Uh, James Webb, um, he uh, authored an article. No, the about... call sign is Highlander. It's first LAR. No, no, yeah. just stop with that. All right, just stop. Um, and what is Highlander? Where did I, I mean? I remember they embraced that. I was like, what the hell is that? I mean, whatever. But whatever. Um, that was Colonel Power. That I know was, uh, Jeff Powers. Yep. The um, but uh, he released an article. And uh, uh, in line with some of the other articles that we've seen, and uh, I'll have all these articles on the read board. If you go to the read board and you click on um, force design debate, you will see all these, starting with uh, Bing West. You'll see articles, both pro and con, uh, as they happen. Uh, I will be more than happy to stick them up so you can you can make yourself smart about that about this discussion because that's what we're trying to do. Um, the um, so uh, Jim wrote Webb wrote his article, um, and then a guy named James Joyner wrote an article uh, for a website called Outside the Beltway. The headline: Marine Force Design Has Been Debated. And in the last paragraph, Joyner says this again, this is all big risk. And he's talking about Force Design 2030. Berger has, for example, divested the core of every single tank, forcing reliance on the armor for, army for that capability in a big joint fight that may never come. As a former boss who came up as a tanker, noted at the time, when you need a tank, only a tank will do. Berger may well have placed his bets on the wrong horse, but one thing is for sure, he has thought it through after more than two years of debate. He certainly listened to the retired generals. He just thinks they're wrong. So I wanted to kind of go around and, and ask you all, um, first of all, if you have thoughts on that article, and then second of all, 
um, in your mind's eye, because you all pay attention, has Force Design 2030 been debated enough publicly um, uh, in the Marine Corps and in the the uh, the discussions of the Marine Corps? So, uh, Jeff, we'll start with you. Um, in your mind, has it been debated enough? No, I don't think the debate has been substantive enough on the other on the side that says that this is something we should do. And also, the uh, speed at which uh, there's divestments made um, without a requisite um, replacement for some of those capabilities seems uh, imprudent to me. And uh, and also, it's pretty clear that this is just meant for one uh, specific contingency. I mean, one general specific contingency, you know, in the uh, in the PACOM region. Even though the commandant says, "Oh no, this isn't just for PACOM. This is anywhere," but it doesn't really fit, you know, anywhere. And then, uh, so it, it basically robs us of, of our ability to effectively have to fight if we're in, in contingencies that may be unexpected, because almost every contingency that we've been engaged in since World War One has been mostly unexpected. And even the ones we expected didn't shake out the way we expected them to, like the Second World War. You know, even the preparations made for that weren't sufficient. And so, and so there's massive casualties you know, that, that were suffered because of that. And you think of the nightmare in Korea. If you, there's one way you can point to some of these things we reacted to, say, see, we can do it. But there's a lot of needless bloodshed that was, uh, and, and loss that was accrued during those operations that maybe wouldn't have been if we'd been a little bit more prudent about what we were getting rid of. And in those cases, mainly manpower we we're getting rid of. But uh, I mean, Korea, egregious, horrific, only the grace of God allowed us to not be destroyed by the Chinese in 1950 between, between August and, uh, and December of 1950. And so I, I just think, if, if, there any, if there's any lesson to be learned, it's that uh, don't give away everything until, you know, you know before the fight becomes clear. I mean, make, make sure you have the ability to react across the board. The idea of a force in readiness means you're ready for anything. So consequently, you should be more balanced. Uh, and then there's a, and not get rid of things, you know, willy-nilly. Now, they'll say this isn't willy-nilly and so forth. But, uh, you know, it, it, uh, it's just we, we divested a lot of stuff without getting anything, without getting and there was no requisite uh, demand put upon the Navy to ensure that we still had our amphibious capability or our ability to uh, to move big forces and big things to uh, areas of contention. OK, so that's so that's I, obvious to me. Right. So in terms of the debate, um but and for and I'll just make one side note. You know, I don't. There won't be too many issues in which ninety percent of the retired four stars would disagree on anything. So right. when you see that, um, that's something. And I don't care what side of the of this issue you're on. These are substantive, you know, military leaders. That are, you know, rose to the rank of four stars. And they are virtually united in in their position that this hasn't been debated enough. 
And so to me, that's uh, what were we talking about when Will made that point? Getting to 90%, uh, was it the 15th Mew? I mean, what, what were we talking about, Will? Do you uh, remember that? 90% buy uh, anything. Yeah, I mean, it's come up on a couple of different things. And I said, if I could get 90% of the people doing, you know, the right thing, shit, I'm moving on to the next event, right? That's that's an overwhelming number. All right. Um, All right. So, so anyway, um, well... To me, how about your thoughts on has this been, has this been debated enough? No, it has it has not been debated enough. You ended our last discussion saying you were waiting to see who was the next big heavy to come out and write, and boom, you got the heaviest of the heavies with with Webb, and he addressed the exact thing that's been puzzling us, which is he said, restructuring of this skill should have been run through a, a through the Pentagon Office of the Defense Resources Board approved by the secretary, sent the cars, et cetera. And when he was uh, on that response to him from this, uh, I guess he's a Marine Corps University instructor, former army officer, he says, of course, he he points he points out that uh, it, the Defense Resources Board stopped in 2005. It's now the senior level review group. But he says, Webb knows damn well that Berger didn't do these things unilaterally. And then at the end of the things, I can't imagine it didn't buy off on these changes which is exactly the point that Webb was making, was they did not do this this way. And no, they did not buy off on the changes as these things were ran through in COVID. And the final thing about that rebuttal of Webb was the guy said that this, uh, this multi-year process could well have backfired if getting the cuts and not replacement appropriations. Instead, he achieved buying. Well, buying didn't get him his goddamn appropriations. So that uh, this rebuttal saying that this thing has been debated uh, is false on us. It doesn't make any sense as you read it. The, and, and so that's that's the problem. What Webb says didn't happen, this guy says, well, it had to have happened. Duh. That's what he's saying, essentially, because he doesn't know. And I'm afraid that it didn't happen. There's not been any type of debate at all on this. And um, it, it's it, it's disturbing that how this how this is how this seems to have snuck in during the time of COVID when there was turbulence, nobody was asking anything. And as this all happened, we lost more amphibs. So, you know, we're not, we're not looking good. We're, 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 we're light on shipping. Now we're light on shit. We just gave away for, uh, with, for nothing in return. And, and you can't put a lipstick on that pig. Well, uh, has this been debated enough? Uh, I think obviously not, or, you know, these gentlemen wouldn't be coming up on the net now. You know, the, the when I read that article, um, a couple of things struck me. It's it's called Outside the Beltway is the publication. And so they got a guy who's retired, uh, former Army officer, they don't say retired, at Command and Staff College. It's on the Atlantic Council. That's not really outside the beltway, to say <laughs> the least. Then the second thing he says is, uh, when some of the commentary came up earlier, uh, the commandant pushed back, Admiral Gilday pushed back, and Bob Work pushed back. Well, um, if you're down to your biggest advocate for the Marine Corps, you're relying on the CNO and Bob Work, you're probably not in a good spot. Um, mm -hmm. And when he says this had to go through the chain and all these people had to sign off, well, who's the chain? General Milley, Secretary Austin, right. those people, like it or not, uh, are not 
going to be out there for necessarily fundamental knowledge of the Marine Corps. And, and listen, I'm not arguing that we need a Marine Corps because we need a Marine Corps because I'm a Marine and I want to, you know, go back to Vandegrift's bended knee speech. He says, we think we've earned our place, but if there's no place for us in the future, we're not going to come begging. We believe there is a place for us in the future. Uh, we all fundamentally think that there's a place for the Marine Corps today, that if in the future we don't have a Marine Corps, sort of like what we got today, a force in readiness that can fight across a Romo, we're going to have to make one up. So I'm not arguing this in a parochial nature, um, but we think there is a place. Uh, and the guy's argument that this thing has been through the ringer to include pushback from Congress. I challenge you, who? Yeah. Who in Congress? Um, you know, we used to, in our time, in the 80s and 90s, there were always somebody up in Congress who was just known as a defense guy that knew the program, uh, that had influence. I don't know who that is right now. So I haven't heard anyone from Congress with stature, I haven't heard anyone really, let alone someone with stature, come out and talk about this. And so I, I don't think it's been debated. And uh, you know, last point on this whole debate thing, the, uh, the guy who writes the article quotes an article that James Webb wrote in May of 2020 Fine. Fine. and said, oh, that got all kinds of discussion. Well, it may have been discussed, but it was never answered. That article, um, I hit the link on that, Mac, you probably just want to find it and put it up on the reboard as well. Webb lays out very nicely the historical case of the Marine Corps, you know, that Jeff's talking about, but also the fundamental um, capability requirement uh, going forward. And that article, yeah. it's it's a couple of three pages, but there's not a lot of wasted words in it. So it, you know, it's really well done. That's right. Uh, you know, something else too, Will. That what you just laid out about what the guy says about it's already been debated, and then you're like, well, who debated it? You know, that's a tactic to say something's already been, you know, hashed out among the big brains up there, and we just didn't hear about it, or we're not paying attention, or whatever. Yeah, that's it, a that's a bureaucratic tactic, is what it is. And I, I would say if 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 the debate's been had, then someone should be able to write an article like Jim mm -hmm. Webb wrote that's in favor of this and lay out the case so that it's fundamentally understandable. And and we've said it on here before. Look, I, I don't agree with what the Commandant's doing because I don't see how it provides a force and readiness across a range of military operations. And item two, because if there's one thing I know from the Pentagon is you don't give up shit. And not without a promise. Your promise is worthless to me. There is no honor inside that building. Mm -hmm. I need to see the appropriation in the budget. Then I'll know you're serious. General so those are my fundamentals. And I've what, said, I just may not understand what the Commandant wants. But General so Paxton, if this guy is General saying Paxton, the debate's been, right. been had, then lay it out in a two-page article that's easy for us Cretans to understand and say, oh, but that obviously hasn't been done because I don't think General Zinni and General Van Riper would 
would look at that and say, I agree with some of it. I don't agree with some of it. The commandant's got a place where he's got to provide judgment. Yeah, I get it. But, you know, that's where they would be. But it's obvious mm -hmm. that's not where they are either. And I think they've had more inside explanation of what this is supposed to be than I've had. And they fundamentally disagree as well. So, me, uh, yeah, don't try and win the argument by shutting down the argument. Right. <laughs> no, but Jeff's right. That's, that's, a, that's a political tactic. Let me make two points. The most substantive discourse I have seen on this is the discourse of questioning by Representative Luria that got her name thrown into this discussion last summer, right? When she right. began with Eric Smith, Lieutenant General Smith, right? She started going down the, where did this come from? Was this a requirement by one of the COCOMs? Uh, no. Was this a requirement from somebody else inside the building? Uh, no. And she started going down that, and it, was, it got very uncomfortable very quick, quickly. And you were watching it going, oh, my God, right? Is wow. she going to do this in public, right? And that's how it's like, so who is this woman? Right. Like, and where does she get this detailed, nuanced knowledge that she begins to take this thing apart? And then she very graciously stopped and said, I will submit other questions in writing. If you could respond to them, I'd appreciate it. And but you watch that and went, who is she? And that's that's when her name popped up in this. And so that's the most substantive. And that was what a power projection subcommittee meeting that, that we that, that we happened to watch. And I played the audio here because it created a little bit of a buzz. But that is the most that is the most substantive discussion I've seen about it. And and the other thing I would say is if it was debated, then would somebody please forward, right? The um the minutes. The there you go. I I couldn't remember the word. The minutes of that to these four stars so they can read it and be satisfied. Oh, you mean it doesn't exist? Oh, then maybe somebody ought to sit down and answer the mail on this. Because, as well, again, you can't get 90% of Marine officers to agree on anything, hardly. And if they're in agreement of this, then I would say, you know what? We have rolled this thing out poorly, okay? And But yeah. again, my understanding is that the commandant sat down with them within the last 60 days and that didn't go well. And that would involve a few substantive questions. So I think that A, it wasn't debated in public. B, there are no minutes. And C, the last event, according to things I've heard, didn't go well. Therefore, maybe we should have a serious discussion about this. Because right. what you're hearing said is... There is an existential concern about the Marine Corps in the future, right? right. And that yeah. that'll, and that'll get say, everybody's attention. People say, "Well, we war game this thing, and over and over, and we already we're doing war games, and we do." I, I can't remember. I think Yamasakura is the name of the big one we do, and uh, you know, when we're the three MEF does, and uh, but I remember we're always like we're already already in Japan, we're already in like Taiwan, we're already on the ground that's contested. I'm thinking, but this whole thing was was uh, initiated, the conflict, by the aggressors. Wouldn't they keep us from getting there? You know what I'm saying? It's, it's like uh, it's a false uh, it's a false idea that you think, you know, you, you kind of fairy dust the, really the most important part 
of the war game, and then you and then you claim the war game validates your your contention for change. So it's like uh, you know, it's it's not. Yeah, it, it, it not brings to mind intellectually honest. You know. Yeah, it brings to mind the Persians and the Spartans at Thermopylae, right? Persians come up and say, "If we decide to come, we will enslave your women, capture your cities, take your wealth, destroy your civilization." And the Spartans say, "If you know, there's a yeah. big if right. between where we are and this fight out there. That it, it's and there's a whole lot of other ifs, you know, that we yeah. we've talked about in between that." I, I, I think the commandant did a great disservice in that Ignatius article when he says we can still fulfill all the requirements. Well, that's goofy. Um, which, which was exactly what his gentle pushback to that web article was. I went and clicked on his pull pushback from him and Gilliday, and all it consisted of is, oh, yeah, we can still do it. Oh, sure. No, no, he doesn't have that right. No, we're fine. That's essentially his pushback. Yeah, you can't. I think that we've had armor since 1917 on the battlefield mm -hmm. and that we think it's been a critical requirement for all kinds of contingencies for the last 104 years, <laughs> but we don't need it anymore, but we can still do everything. I just, it's, uh, yeah. how, do, how, do, I, how, how do you get there? <laughs> I'm not, I need a few more footnotes. I mean, could somebody give me those footnotes? So, because I wanna, I wanna believe you, and I wanna believe that you know what you're doing. But I'm really, right? I'm really struggling, Ringo. I'm trying real hard, right? Yeah. I'm trying real hard. I want to. The next question is, um, as, as and what I want to do is frame this because you know I, I hope that uh, All Marine Radio can be used as a forum uh, for these discussions, and not just with us, but. Uh, with other people who are advocating, uh, you know, what what this group of retired general officers is, and also people that advocate on the commandant's behalf. Because let me tell you, this whole thing, All Marine Radio, um, is kind of an extension of what we call these mucus meetings that, that you know, the Marine Corps University Society. And we, right. uh, and, and Major Allen and I worked on that as a captain, and it comes out of, you know, a book I read called The Enlightened Soldier that we all read. And and, uh, and and that's one of the ways the Germans stimulated the intellectual vibrancy of their officer corps, you know, uh, before the Second World War. And so um, so we, we started. But that's what this Mensa Brother thing is. This is us doing the same shit. And, and in my mind, one of the things that was my example for all of this was— and it started out as, as the Marine Corps University Society meeting, but it was General Zinni's PME. He stands up in front of, I don't know, 300 officers in uh, the Hanson Room at the basic school. It's, it was the Hanson Room, right? The, the big chow, is that what yeah, we called yeah. it, right? And he does this thing, this presentation that he called Combat Concepts. And General Zinni, wicked smart, funny as shit, right? And take on all comers in the room. I mean, and sitting in front of me by about six seats is, is John Boyd. Sitting over on the right is, is Brigadier General Van Riper. And next to G Brigadier General Van Riper is uh, Bill Lind, John Kelly sitting in the room, 
like uh, Stacy Clarity, Luke Craparata, Jody Osman, all future three-star generals in the Marine Corps are all sitting in the room. Phil Smith, a friend of ours, and a bunch of us. And Timmy was there that night. You know, I don't know if Jeff, you were there yet. Were you there? No, I wasn't. No, right. I was Will, were you there that night? I was actually out in the field doing my job that night. I, didn't, I was. <laughs> That's where junior. That's where lieutenants should have been. The, I was um, a lieutenant at that. I know. Time, so. Well, so, but Zinni's Boyd takes issue with Zinni and stands up, and 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 I won't say lets him have it, but in an intellectual way, talks about culminating point, points as fulfilling prophecies. You know, if you make them such, and they begin to have this nuanced discussion about culminating points and john boyd oodaloop man right and you're watching this tennis game go on as a captain who's never seen this shit but these guys are zinni combat tested you know and zinni was taking the piss out of our poi that's that's (laughs) the thing he was out there absolutely criticizing a lot of the shit we were teaching the lieutenants right then and there the funny his comedy routine about range five oh my god it was awesome and then he's one of his great lines that night the big debate back then was whether it was fcl or final cl and he said and (laughs) i didn't want to get into it because it was over my head And he's standing up there doing this shtick, and he was funny as fuck. And then it would go from funny as fuck, and then the inspiration for for this segment, it would go from funny as fuck to serious as fuck in a heartbeat, and Uh they would go back. And then you'd have General Van Riper chime in, and then Zinni takes on Bill in in front of God and everybody. This And that's when he, he uses this term. Yeah, that term finger-licking, spricken-field, whatever the, whatever the hell it is. And then Zinni's talking about, I want to read the Italian version of Maneuver Warfare. I heard it's out there. But he does, But it's this, it's this gloves off, right? We're in the business of you bet your life, boys and girls. And so we're not going to be afraid to set an example. And Zinni talked about... The basic school in IOC, he goes, yeah, you know, you guys are turning all these lieutenants into heretics. And they come out to the fleet and they're gunning for you at these PMEs. Because, you know, because, you know, Mike Wiley and John Kelly, you guys have turned these guys. And he said, and I'm not going to lie to you. He said, they've sent me back to the drawing board many times to rethink these things. And so that's the example of all this. Right. And and that's that's what's and I I. I'm not so jokingly called General Zinni the burning bush, okay, because he's been right pretty much about everything I've ever talked to him about in my life. And um, and so when you see guys like that have genuine concerns, you're a fool if you don't sit down with them, right, and, 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 and are not able to answer them. And when those guys look at you, and, and again, if you, if you want to hear a great interview that has nothing to do with me, Listen to General Van Riper's interview about leadership and discipline on on right. and on right. on this on this podcast. Absolutely fantastic. So when these guys have questions, right? And, and General Van Riper is the guy who wrecked the mar, you know, the, the war plan for the march up, right? With his war game uh-huh. shit, his red cell shit. I mean, just wicked smart, <laughs> when, right? When they have questions, they had to stop it, right? When they, had they to have stop it and restart. When they have questions, you've got to answer them, and that's part of this—the intellectual side of this. Now, um, so the next thing I want to ask. So, in framing this, and that's what I hope this becomes. Um, 
how has the Marine Corps been an asset to the national defense since World War II? That's easy, man. Yeah. Force and readiness. Force and readiness. Well, just, just list contingencies. Go around the yeah. horn from World War II. You know, start, obviously, uh, start with China, the Provisional Brigade China. in Korea. Start with China before that. Yeah, China. That's Great true. Point. North every China. Little, every little, because not all of them are famous. Right. I mean, Korea is because all the dead guys, but, you know, and, and the, you know, the, the, the states it off with the uh, proxies for the first time in a big way. But absolutely right. China, Korea, China, Lebanon, Korea. Like, Lebanon, Lebanon Dominican in 58. Republic. Yep, Lebanon, Dominican Republic. Dominican Vietnam. Republic in 65. Vietnam. Then obviously Vietnam, but then. Beirut again. Mayaguez. No, Mayaguez. Eagle Pole. Yeah. Frequent, Frequent wind. wind. Beirut, Grenada. And, and Beirut in a couple of different iterations. Beirut Neo and Beirut Peacekeeping. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Grenada, right? Exactly right. Go Platt in the uh, in the Gulf in eighty seven. Eighty seven, eighty eight, I think too. Uh, Desert Storm, and then remember during Desert Storm, we did, we did Somalia. An embassy reinforcement in Somalia. No, we did it. Neo, they took everybody out Neo. and put them back in. Right. Yeah. In Somalia, exactly. and then Liberia, Sierra Leone evacuation. Albania embassy reinforcement. Um, how many? How many hurricane or uh, typhoon reliefs? Yeah, and tsunami. Um, yeah, tsunami yeah. relief. But but really, really, the truth tell was what you mentioned last week, Will, and that is when the army wanted to go into the Balkans, they couldn't do it, and the Marines had to go in there and hold the place until they got their bridges up or flew their helicopters in or stuff like that. So even the last time that the U.S. tried to do anything operational in Europe, we were still the first guys in because they couldn't get themselves on that, to get the and, equipment and, there. And Timmy, that's and Timmy, always been our utility. Timmy, Timmy, that is the main point. It's the, it is. It's the synergy. It's not mm -hmm. everything you got. It's the synergy of having a little bit of everything and being able to put it together and be effective. And that happened there, and then it happened during Task Force 58 in the Afghanistan in 2000, late 2001. Damn sure did. You got to just reflect right. reflect on Korea for a second. Um, you know, we had to respond, and so we sent RCT five first provisional brigade goes to Pusan the beam patch, and Task Force Smith from the Army goes in, right, and. Task Force Smith has destroyed a detail, and the 1st Provisional Brigade becomes a fire brigade. And that is what it's actually supposed to be, right? The Army is not supposed to be on the cutting edge of readiness. We, we cannot afford to have a big, heavy force be ready to deploy at a moment's notice 100% ready. That's the niche that the Marine Corps provides to the big war because we're always ready on the edge to do all the little bullshit we just talked right. about. And you know, so remember, exactly. You can't, remember within the budget, you cannot get the army across the board to have the readiness level of the Marine Corps. It's absolutely unaffordable. They know it, we know it, anyone who thinks about it knows about it. 
you pull the Marine Corps out and you say, oh, the 82nd Ready Brigade. I'm laughing. I'm not. I'm crying. The 82nd Ready Brigade is in Poland now. Great. What are they going to do? No mobility, no armor, limited artillery, et cetera. What are they going to do? That is not the same as having, uh, like it or not, a combined arms task force that's trained together, that's war game, that's, that's done all those things, and that is at a cutting edge of readiness that can go now. And we used to have people who thought about that because in the late 90s in the East Coast, Tumef, we did the last thing you did for your MU workup after your CERDEX, you did a joint task force exercise where you did, it was right there at Lejeune and included the MU and the U.S. and elements of the U.S. Army, airborne troops and so forth, Rangers and all that crap. I don't know if you remember that, Will, those JTFXs. And the whole point was they're in there and, and we're, you know, the synergy of having those type of forces join together and, and able to, you know, uh, prosecute operations, which I guess went away because by the time desert or the time, uh, you know, 9-11 happened and then we decided to go into Afghanistan with almost it was all Marines and, and Green Beret. And the whole point of it was, you know, who can get there with a little bit of everything so we can build from there for the, uh, you know, for the to make this contingency a success. All right, let me let me hop in here. So, the idea of this force and readiness, and I want to talk a little bit historically. If you understand the Lynn Wells memo, and I'll put the Lynn Wells memo in here again. If you understand what everybody just talked about was is being able to operate across the range of military operations. That's Romo that you're going to hear. And then you look at the mission in the South China Sea. Um, can can that be absorbed into this Marine Corps thing? And can the Marine Corps still operate across the range of military uh, operations and do the South China Sea? Or is somehow the South China Sea this anomaly of a fight that requires the entire force to be tilted in that direction? And I know there's people that say, oh, you don't understand it, Mac. Because that's not what we're talking about, but it seems to be this like mutually exclusive way of looking at the world. That if we're going to do that, then everybody's got to be like that. So I'm curious, you know, in terms of this force and readiness, is it mutually exclusive? Because we've talked about, we've been told, we've read, we're not a close with force anymore. We don't participate in those operations anymore. We've been told to do this. And this then, if we do this, it excludes that. So I'm curious about your thoughts on on on, on this, can force and readiness absorb the South China Sea mission and still operate across Romo? Well, this is the basic conundrum that's got us all confused because we all know you could configure third MEF to address the, the South China Sea contingencies and still leave the first MEF and the second MEF as what they've traditionally been, which is which is your your forces in readiness that are still capable of performing everything we're capable of doing this today. That's an easy question to answer. So that but that that raises the question is why the hell did we divest all this stuff? Why didn't we organize ourselves? I mean, it did it as as in a more efficient way to address and address the uncertainty that's baked into this entire endeavor. And so that, so so that would tell you that. Whatever has come out of the debate 
there's still a, those questions that sit out there. And again, I would offer you the evidence in terms of how much the Marine Corps has institutionally believed in being a force in readiness and, and res- responding across the range of military operations was in the Marine Corps' interest, right? Uh, in uh, what, early 1960s, President Kennedy wanted to make the Marine Corps the, what, what essentially be, became the Green Berets, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. um, I'm not exactly sure who the commandant was, but push back on that, right? The, the, that, when that happened, General Shoup was the commandant, and he pushed back on it. I don't know if President Kennedy wanted that, but he wasn't. it was before he was president that that push was made. Got it. And then, yeah. um, and then when Special Operations Command was created, you know, the, you know, a lot of people wonder, well, why was the Marine Corps left out of it? Well, the Marine Corps wasn't left out of it. The Marine Corps said, you know, right, I mean, the Marine Corps was getting pushed to it mm-hmm. again. And right. it was General P.X. Kelly who said, you know, who was commandant and said, yeah, we, this is our, this is our mission. This is what we do for the country. So mm-hmm. what, what, and the reason I, I, I throw those out there is that people have to understand how deep this mission is in the core of the Marine Corps. Right. You, you know, if I could just add something, when, when, when General Kelly insisted that the entire Marine Corps was a special operations force, and we kind of equipped, we kind of agreed to have the MU SOC program, that was us just saying, oh, we'll take the extra money. Sure, we'll do that. We're just going to do what, we're, what we've always done. That was so cause essentially Marine Corps. Oh, we'll take extra money and give these MUs a little bit of extra stuff, you know, some, some fancy Jeeps and what have you. But uh, I just wanted to point that out because it wasn't that we denied the money. We took the money, and that's what that new sock started on as. Right, right. Yeah. But again, just so everybody knows that this this has been a discussion, a reoccurring discussion through the institutional history of the Marine Corps. And, 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 and the institution has historically come down on being able to be a force in readiness, to be able to provide, you know, incredibly lethal forces— at great bang for the buck and being able to literally fight tonight. Marine Corps, right there. So again, and, and this is institutionally come through. Um, Jeff, Will, any thoughts about that before we talk about something else? I, I would add one thing that I haven't quite seen yet. It's that, you know, the Marine Corps organization is statutory, unlike the other services. Good mm-hmm. point. And I don't, I don't know if we're trying to, and that's where, you know, I, I take exception with the commandant that says, well, we can still do all these things. Yeah. Right. But statutorily, we're supposed to be organized a certain way. And maybe he says, well, the littoral combat regiments are still, you know, three division wing, blah, blah, blah. Um, But yeah, that's a good point. Because I, I, I think to, it's intellectually dishonest to to say that we're still that force in readiness. Again, like Jeff said, we divested significant capability without. Right. It's not here now. It's yeah. Force design 2030. Right. Uh, I'm checking my calendar. It's 2022, man. Eight right. years. Yeah. You know, I talked to Kirkaby and he said, you know, I don't know about this stuff, but don't you guys have agreements with the. You know, with the commands that you got to be able to do certain things. Like, yeah, the, uh, there's O plans that we're part of, and we're supposed to be able to do these th- these missions. We divested ourselves out of them. We had to have. 
because you can barely cover them now. But Jeff, I mean, I've not seen, I've seen not one thing no addressing the reconciliation of that. Oh, wait a the minute. Last, what do you I mean? Know, no what one, do you mean you can't close with anymore? Nobody cares. I mean, I mean, it's not breaking squelch above us right. anymore. Yeah, and it's, uh, not, it's, it's not. You know, it's not. No one ever since we started doing Iraq and Afghanistan, they they kind of uh, seem to lose interest in the other stuff we're supposed to be able to do. I, I would say too. Think about the the Joint Staff today. Right. Chairman Army, Director of Joint Staff Army. I don't know who Durops is now, the J3. There's no Marines there. Right. And so if the war plan required a certain type of force and readiness level, and you say, well, 82nd Ready Brigade or 18th Airborne Corps can do that, you may believe that if you're a soldier. It just means you fundamentally don't understand your profession and who the Marine Corps is. Fundamentally and, ignorant about your own profession. Yeah. One of my favorite lines. The, uh, in this case, it, I think it happens to be true, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, next question. What do you hope comes out of this in public discussion that's about to be had? Um, you know, we talked last week. We've never seen anything like this in our lifetime, right? I mean, the Marine Corps, I mean, that night that that I saw, you know, General Zinni presenting and us arguing, that was all us on a Marine base inside a, a dining facility uh 95 of the people present were marine officers you know a couple a few civilians and intellectuals you know Gen uh, colonel board of retired air force officer that was us i mean that was a tribal event we don't do this in public all right so um you know uh, to me let me start with you i mean you you've grown up had a father have a father that's a general officer a, an uncle that uh, retired as a lieutenant colonel or a colonel and uh yeah and, and and you've grown up in this in this business um what do you hope comes out of this uh, well I, I i don't i don't know what positive can come out of it now for the exact reasons that will articulated last week in that we're so deep into these budget cycles i think the only thing positive that could possibly result from this is an awareness in the general public of what the Marine Corps is, because the most people in America don't have any clue about what we're all about or what what we bring to the table or or much about us. And um, we, we've always had a very strong PR case to make. 7% of the defense budget, 40% of the fighting forces, that kind of stuff that with our tricky arithmetic, uh, hiding blue dollars. So I'm hopefully that maybe, uh, maybe at the end of this, the Marine Corps will emerge stronger in the public perception and the public might make a have a better understanding of why we need to be at the readiness levels we are at. But uh, I have little hope of that. It's not just us. The amphibious sh uh, shipping shortfalls they can't possibly be reconciled with the war plans now either. So uh, we're 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 in a we're in a stage of significant decline. If we can arrest it and repurpose our understanding of what the Marine Corps is supposed to do at the end of this nightmare, that that might be the only positive we can get out of it. Got it. Jeff, um, what do you hope yeah. comes out of this? Well, I'm actually a little bit more optimistic than Timmy because uh, what I see is that uh, people are being exposed publicly for uh, weaknesses in their argument. And uh, so what I hope that does is bring everybody to the point where they say, okay, 
let me put out my thesis in a more clear way. That's really all anybody wants. So the thesis of the old graybeards and people who are like skeptical of the speed and the, uh, you know, the, the deepness of all this divestment, how that happened, they put out their thesis. Then people who, who are arguing for drastic change put their thesis. And then there's discussion, and this, this, this will be watched now because it got attention. I mean, from everybody from con Congressional Representative Luria to all these other people, and now it's, it's that people are listening to this. And it, and it has weight because of the stuff that's going on in Ukraine and other places that may pop, like Taiwan and so forth. This is something that I think will get attention. And so the discussion of the, two, of the different theses causes a synthesis where they come together finally and say, okay, we'll do this. And nobody's really fucking happy with the, uh, you know, with the outcome, but it, it, it maintains you know, uh, some of the things that we hold dear. And, and that really is force and readiness. And the idea that that's out there and people are talking about it now. And oh, by the way, it bleeds over into the fact that, you know, we get screwed by the Navy on the amphibs. When we say we, it's not the Marine Corps that's getting screwed. It's the nation that's getting screwed because we don't have this stuff. And so I think that's a good thing that this is coming out. It's coming out and it's going to pop like a big old boil. And all the pus is going to run for a while, but then eventually it's going to get cleaned up. And hopefully it'll break in a prudent way so that the, the next thing that happens and here's the thing, the next thing could happen in a half hour from now or like next week or three months from now. So it doesn't happen when it's convenient. It never does. So hopefully that people at least have their head in the game because of this discussion that's come out and hit the, you know, and hit the uh, media like it has. Well, yeah. So first I'll tell you what I fear is going to come out is that, um, you know, the commandant's in the driver's seat with this, and his program is going to get implemented um, if he drives it to be implemented. Gives a shit what the four stars retired say, right? Just think about the process. There's not a Democratic uh, uh, congressperson, senator that's going to go out and really work hard against it, right? This is the administration's program. Um, who are the Republicans that have enough uh, juice across the aisle to offer amendment, uh, to change something, and that have the attention span to devote to this little niche thing we call the Marine Corps? So I don't, if, if the commandant drives it, it's going to happen. And I fear what it's going to happen is going to break that um, bond that Marines have across generations. Uh, it's going to sort of break the mystique of the commandant that I think is important to the Marine Corps. And I think it harms the nation because we lose that force and readiness uh, and we won't know it until we need it. Um, so that's what I fear. Um, I would like to hope, you know, Jeff's very professorial uh, spiel there on synthesis, um, but I don't know the forum that takes place. And I would say right. the initial returns are not necessarily good. The few articles that have been out there uh, have started out with sort of like Jane, you ignorant slut. <laughs> this has been debated. Uh, <laughs> we talked about it before. Uh, and there, I've seen some things on LinkedIn 
you know, this disgusts me that these people come out like this, right? It becomes very personal very quickly. It would be wonderful if someone produced the pro case for divestment, uh, reorganization, et cetera, that answered the force and readiness question and the don't give anything up until you got something to replace right. them. Right. I, I would welcome that and I'll be the first one to say I was ignorant of that. I fundamentally didn't understand it. You're absolutely right. Now I understand it. But absent that, I fear that that the sides are digging in, right? When when Webb, Zinni, Sheehan go out in public, Wall Street Journal, Marine Corps Times, that means they've tried the thesis synthesis <laughs> and there has been no synthesis and so now they're digging in the defense and we're in for a war of attrition um which the commandant even if he gets what he wants he loses the marine corps loses and the nation loses so that's what i fear yeah uh, i don't want to talk about what i fear uh, what i hope is that um, people can a, and I, this is me being Pollyanna, but um, not make it personal, right? And you know, Will and I were talking yesterday, and he, he mentioned the LinkedIn thing and said, you know, I mean, this discussion is too <coughs> too important to trivialize it, you know, with that kind of shit. Right. So what I hope is people can look at and say, look, obviously General Berger's coming on the Marine Corps for uh, for a reason. He's obvi he obviously has strong arguments to be doing what he's doing uh -huh. with the force. Okay. And at the same time, these, you know, retired uh, four stars are are all men of substance. And and they're they're nearly unanimous, right, in their declaration that we do not agree with this. So there needs to be a reconciliation, and um, it's going to happen in public. So my hope is that people can respectfully lay out their vision, and that that I don't know who the adults are, on the Hask or the Sask that will preside over this and begin to ask the difficult questions about, yeah, well, wait a minute, what about the war plans? And wait a minute, you say you can respond across Romo, but you've divested yourself. How, how, how would you do that? You know, and begin to ask these, these, these questions that require no shit footnotes. And if they're on the high side, but again, um, these guys, they're no strangers to the high side, and they're no strangers to, to, to some of the programs that, that, that have been discussed. And they're not buying it. And so to me, what I hope is at the end of the day, there's an honest reconciliation with members of Congress that pay attention, and the appropriate course can be charted for one of the, you know, I mean, an organization we all love. But whether you love it or not, its contribution to the nation's defense is undeniable, right? This 9-11 force, this force and readiness, 
that force it prides itself in going there right tonight right and landing with a thud right and that's what it that's what it always has been and so i hope i hope that you know we have the kind of human capital that can have this discussion in public right and put the organization first and not turn it into a something that's something that's embarrassing to everybody right and and i've always, i've always thought in kind of stewarding these discussions we can talk about anything as long as everybody's respectful right if you're respectful right. and, and 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 you're devoted to the truth then then let's get it on you know one thing is about marines that probably would surprise most people who don't know us is arguments from authority don't wash from us arguments from authority that shit don't work not very well all right final thought tim final thought i'm all against arguments for from authority there you go all right. my final my final my final thought is i'm trying to make a little bit of levity this is a this is a this is unfortunately as serious a conversation as as we've ever had i'm i'm not uh, i'm not very sanguine about how this is all going to turn out and i don't I don't understand why. You know, the the commandant had had to make changes. We understand that. Some of the stuff he was talking about, such as the way of we do our manpower and whatnot, that 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 alone is a, would have been a massive accomplishment if he had focused on just that. But uh, he's he's interjected a lot of friction into the force, and I'm not so sure how long it's going to take to to retain any degree of equilibrium. Got it, Jeffrey. Final thought. No, I'm good. I I thought. I thought everything I'm going to think, and I put it out there already. <laughs> All right. Well, well thought. Uh, Will, final thought? Um, yeah, it's it's something to speed, that it's spun, right? Sheehan, Van Riper, Webb last week. Uh, and then responses from the Ignatius piece and then stuff I see on LinkedIn and then this guy. So, um there's the tempest in the teapot is it's temping right it's hot within us i'm sitting out, out here in kansas city this is my only link to it um but i i'm really wondering how fast it's spinning in quantico inside the building um and and how fast this group of graybeards is going to start hitting so um I, I got a feeling we're going to be revisiting this a few times. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I, I it'll be, um, again, this is a once-in-a-lifetime event. We've never seen it. And uh, we're going to be in a position to have these discussions, I think, uh, you know, for a while till this somehow or other gets sorted out. So, anyway, um, thanks for doing this tonight, guys. I appreciate it. And uh, have a great night. And uh, we will talk again, I think. All right, man. Okay. That'll do it on a Monday morning. You know, it's always interesting. One of the things I notice about um, when people speak is oftentimes the tone of their voice tells you as much as the substance of their words. 
And I think you can hear in the tone of everybody's voice, the seriousness of the discussion. So, um, yeah, um, I don't need, I think that, I don't think I need to add any more to that. So in the upcoming weeks, hopefully All Marine Radio will contribute to the discussion and, and do what it's done, you know, in a, in a number of cases, and that is uh, to explain where it can, to ask questions where it cannot, and then comment on the outcome. So, um, and again, it's just this, this grew out of General Zinni's example one night in the Hanson Room at the basic school. I thought it was in the spring of 1990. I might be wrong, but I think it, I, I, I'm pretty sure it was then. And um, the way they tackled intellectual endeavors, the way they were not afraid to mix it up, the way they gave each other a hard time and used their sense of humor throughout, even when we were in public. But their, their fearlessness in terms of taking a subject up. And I never saw them shy away from a subject because they just didn't want to do it in public and they didn't want to, they certainly wouldn't do it in a broad audience of Marine officers. And I think that's one of the holes the Commandant has dug himself in. And to the people who say this has been debated, ask Marine officers that question. They will tell you it has not. Right? And the people that tell you it, it has are in some inner circle that say, oh yeah, this has been debated. Because I would tell you, and I talk to a lot of people, the sentiment is that it has not, and it wasn't supposed to be debated, let alone dissented upon in public. So, we'll see what happens. Hopefully everybody conducts themselves appropriately, and the fruits of the debate are uh, wisdom that either enlightens people or modifies a course of action. 90% Marine Corps retired four stars. That's not a number to like dismiss with the back of your hand. I don't give a fuck who you are. So with that said, thanks for listening. Have a great day. I'm Mike McNamara. This is All Marine Radio. If I can help you help somebody, uh, please do not hesitate to let me know. I'd be happy to. Have a great day. I'm out.